Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. It is the CarCast after USC's 45-17 win over the Fresno State Bulldogs at the Coliseum. We're going to give you our reactions here live on YouTube and wherever you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or elsewhere. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us everywhere you can find a podcast. We are there. Our email address is Rain of Troy at fanside.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS. And I'm joined along with my co host, who you can follow on Twitter at Penguin of Troy, Alicia Derrito. Hello, everybody. Hello, we are back for another car cast. Uh, USC gets a big win uh, on Saturday night to go three and O in the Lincoln Riley era. Three and O, uh, a big win for the Trojans, forty-five seventeen. Uh, your your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are: I am not feeling well, so that was a slog of a game <laughs> for me personally. But isn't it nice for USC to to do me a solid and give us something that was just relatively simple, maybe a little bit nervy there for a second, but at the same time, they score 45 points, they hold Fresno State to 17 points, literally couldn't ask for, for much more uh, for, at this stage of the season. Got to feel good about 3-0, and seeing people in the chat just saying like how nice it is it, it is to be 3-0. and And yeah, it's nice to be 3-0. and It's nice to be 3-0 and against the spread. It's nice to feel like this team, while they certainly have areas that they need to to sharpen up, it looks like this team has something to them that is going to be able to get them through the, the tougher games on the schedule like this Fresno State game. Because I think we all agreed this was not going to ever be an easy game for yeah. USC. And in a lot of ways, USC made it look easy uh, in, in the moments that they needed it to. Yeah, SC... 
uh, scored plenty on offense. You look at USC's drives on offense, touchdown, 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 punt, punt, touchdown, 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 uh, field goal, end of the game. Yeah, That's and exactly that, what you need to do on offense. And that punt, punt was like the only time in the game where it was like, well, mm, for, I mean, it could get a little nervous here. It could get a little bit scary here. And that's when the defense came up with with two big stops to bookend yeah. the half. And, you know, I think that that we can talk a lot about the offense and we will continue to talk a lot about the offense. But I just want to give a shout out to the defense because they are clearly playing with limitations. It, like, it, that's very clear. But they are also a unit that I think has a lot of fight to them that, again, put together a multi multiple turnover performance in this game. And really you got to hand it to them. Everyone in that lineup down the, down the, you know, two and three deep was really, really committed to stopping Fresno state in those last two drives. And they got two big stops uh, in the red zone, including a huge goal line stand to end the game. Like all the kudos in the world to them for getting out of this game with just giving up 17 points. I think there's a, a mentality there that I really appreciate. And clearly, you know, it's not a perfect defense by any stretch. No, uh, certainly not. Had me looking up, um, you know, rushing yardage records for USC opponents. But, uh, but you know, all things considered, I think you look at the performance of this, of this, I think it was a much improved defensive performance from the first two weeks. And that's, yeah, all, that's all we're for asking sure. for, right? Get better one week to the next. And 100%. I think they showed that in this game very well. Yeah, especially on defense. We've talked about it before that my whole thing has been look less at wins and losses and look at the eye test and how yeah. SC is progressing from week to week. Defensively, yeah, I think they did get better from last week. Um, certainly the second half last week against Stanford was much better than the first half, but still gave up a couple of touchdowns there at the end uh, against Stanford last week. This week, they only gave up 17 points. Jake Hayner goes down. You hate to see that, but yeah. I have a hard time sitting here and saying that the Jake Hayner injury was the difference in the game. Um, Logan Fife comes in this game and he's 11 of 12 for the Bulldogs, 140 yards with the passer rating of 189.7. Yeah. The, I mean, they went back to basics really. And I put this on Twitter in a weird way. It benefited their offense to, to have to baby a quarterback through, through the game and to say, you know what? No, we're just going to hand the ball off and and keep it a little bit more simple. Yeah. And we saw in the way that they were able to break some big long runs in the second half that that ultimately got their defense moving, got their offense moving rather well. So no, I don't think if Jake Hayner is healthy for this entire game that it changes the outcome, and not not even a little bit. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. If you're joining us here on YouTube, be sure to. Pop into the chat. Tell us what you think about USC's big win tonight, 45-17 over the Fresno State Bulldogs. Be sure to comment, like, subscribe, all of those things, uh, and help grow the show here as we grow Renatro Radio, especially on the YouTube side of things. Um, Alicia, this, this is one of my favorite things about doing this, uh, is being able to interact with so many people here. Uh, Graham says, 3-0 and on the season, 3-0 and against the spread. Good start to the season. Absolutely. Uh, Hunter says, how good does this 3-0 and feel to you guys? 3-0, and let's go. Uh, Jeffrey says that that goal line stand to close the game out, though, uh, in, in all flames. 
Um, there was a comment from Poncho Cam at the beginning that says, is Michael going to admit that USC is good? I don't know when I've said anything to the contrary, but of course, I mean, SC looks looks really good, especially on offense right now. And when you look at how the, the Trojans have played these games, we've talked about it before. We talked about it last week. If you do your job on offense, you get through Really, if you do your job 100% on one side of the ball, you make the other side so much easier and you you allow yourself to weather the storm on the other side. That's where USC struggled with defenses that were probably similar to this in the last couple of years where they were giving up big plays and big yardage and all that stuff. SC was never able to pay it off on offense. They didn't finish off their drives. They stalled at midfield. And when you do those things and the defense is inconsistent, you're going to lose games. We talked about it last week that SC under the Helton era probably loses the Stanford game. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have been able to finish off all those drives in the first half uh, and pay off all the turnovers. In this game against Fresno State, you and I were talking about it in the middle of it. If this is a Clay Helton coach team with the Graham Harrell offense and all that stuff, I think SC probably still wins this game, but it's like, what? 2417 it, it's basically a reincarnation of the game from two years or uh, three years ago whenever that was yeah yeah and and it just it would have been you know that much more nervy at the end that much more on yeah. a nice edge and this is the really nice thing about having a, an offense that can score 45 points without being perfect and, and that, they certainly weren't perfect tonight, and that, that's the right? that's the crazy thing is they weren't perfect again in this game they had those couple of drives where they just weren't getting weren't getting things going. It certainly doesn't help that the left tackle situation is what it is with Cortland Ford being injured and then Bobby Haskins getting injured as well, having to to throw in a a, a guy like um like um oh, uh, Mason Murphy, Mason Murphy yeah. at left tackle is far 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 from ideal and I think Fresno State got pressure on the quarterback in a way that they hadn't been able to at different stages in this game. And that clearly impacted the offense. There's no question about that. But in an imperfect offensive performance, to score 45 points is such a, an improvement over what we've seen over the last few years that, like, yeah, you can weather the storm if your defense is going to, you know, give up 20 or 30 points to an opposing to an opposing team. Now, do you want yeah. your defense to be giving up 30 points to an opposing team? Absolutely not. Um, saw a, a comment from Aaron Folder saying that we're tripping, that our defense is a huge liability. Trash, we give up way too many big plays to everybody. Yeah, the defense is the liability of this team. But this is a th- this is why all offseason we were shouting about how, like, this is year one, guys. Like, it's going to be a rebuild. Like, right. don't look at it Especially as... Especially on defense. Don't look at it as, like, playoff. Look at it as, what are you a good team? And that, And that's the thing is, like, the, asking you the question of, do you think that this USC team is good? I think you and I both agreed going in by I pick nine, 10 and two, you pick nine and three for the record. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's a good team. Good teams have yeah. not 10 and two and nine especially and two. in year one of a, of a coaching rebuild. Yes, yes, exactly. I think that uh, as we've said now every week, the offense is way ahead of where we expected them to be at this stage in the season. And the defense is getting better each week. And that is a very, very good position to be in three, three games in the season with the meat of the of the schedule coming up. I came into this game feeling very nervous because I thought that Fresno State was going to be able to put up a lot of points on this defense. And they certainly were able to get 
the yardage that makes you nervous, that's for sure. But I feel much more confident coming out of this game that Oregon State doesn't have to be a loss. Now, is Oregon State going to probably score more than 17? Yes, I would bank on that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm more and more confident that this, the offensive firepower that USC has, the play calling is strong, um, unless the situation at left tackle becomes a real, real disaster zone. And, you know, that's always a possibility if if those guys can't get healthy before game time. Um, and, you know, Mason Murphy, I thought, was admirable at times in his performance. But like that first play where he got beat, that's what happens when you have a third string left tackle in. So I'd like to see um, I'd like to see USC figure out some solutions, be proactive on that front going into the Oregon State game. But I'm now looking at Oregon State and thinking, yeah, they might put up points, but how are they going to stop this team? Like, how are they going to stop this offense? Yeah. How are they going to do it? And And it's going to be the case for everybody. We're going to ask that question every week. Yeah, you might get one over on this defense, but how are you going to stop this offense? It just, it's, it's so great because like I come out of this feeling not super impressed by the offense and yet they were excellent by every, like, especially the run game, putting up 233 yards on the ground, two 100 yard rushers. Like the run game has absolutely been transformed for USC. And like this offense still feels like they're a couple things going their way away from putting up 65 or 70 on somebody easily. Yeah, I mean, well, they just scored, what, 66 on Rice or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that was the defense also scoring 21 sure. points. So 100%. They haven't, I mean, three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, they haven't, like, unloaded on anyone yet. And that that just means, like, they are going to do that eventually. Like, I I'm, yeah. I firmly believe that they're just going to unload. Well, I, I, I tend to think they would have scored maybe not 66, but pretty damn close uh, against Rice yes. if they would have had those possessions this back anyway. true. Um, th- that said, I-, I thought what was so impressive ab- about the offense tonight was how different it was to the first two games. Yes. Uh, we talked about how the first two games were so similar. And in a lot of ways, this game was very similar again. SC jumps out to a big lead. And I've, I was telling you be- before we were recording this, I-, I think I have a name for this offense. Uh, it's the grave digger, the grave digger offense. This mm-hmm. is what they do. They dig you a grave, they throw you in the grave alive, and they put you in the hole, and it's up to you to get yourself out of the hole. You can do it. You can you can find if you can find a way to get out of the hole, great. But you know how hard it is to get out of the hole? It's extremely hard. Yes. Because you look at SC in this game in the first ha- in the first quarter, SC goes up 14-0, has two drives in which not much goes right. They're able to run the ball at times, absolutely, in the, on those first two drives. But they really never found the, the pass downfield in this game. Uh, there was pressure on Caleb Williams all game long. Uh, he had to scramble for his life many times. He had to run more than we've kind of seen him um, through three games so far. Uh, Twelve different carries for him. This was a game where the offense did not have the picturesque game that they did against Stanford. And yet, what did they do? In the first half, uh, first the, they, they score two long touchdowns on the first two drives before Fresno State can even run a fourth play because they go three and out on their first two plays, and I mean the first drive. And if you're Fresno State's defense, you have to feel absolutely demoralized by that because 
Fresno State was doing everything right. They were forcing fourth downs. They were taking away the long pass. They were making SC earn it on the ground. They're like, all these different things Fresno State was doing right. And SC kept scoring and kept scoring and kept scoring. And at that point, it feels like you're just getting buried alive, right? Like, the only way to come out of this is to force a turnover. Well, three straight games, SC has not turned the ball over on offense. Caleb Williams refuses to make a mistake. I think that constantly um, you see him protect the ball when he throws the, the the first touchdown pass where he's got like nowhere to go. He puts it in a spot where only Jordan Addison can catch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, late, late in the game, there was a, a snap that went through his hands. What does he do? He doesn't try to grab the ball Sam Darnold style and turn around and try to make some crazy play out of it. And Darnold was so good at making things happen half the time. But then half the to. time he would turn the ball over too, yeah. right? And what does Caleb Williams do? He just jumps on it, eats the eight yards, whatever it is, lives to play another day. And I think that cool, calm, and collectedness is so refreshing. It yes. is so refreshing to see SC have control of this game despite things not going perfectly like they did last week in the first half against Stanford on offense because it's not always going to go perfect. Yeah, And if it doesn't go perfect and you're still able to have your first three drives where you, you run a total of 29 plays and you gain all 100% of your yards and three touchdowns, I, I mean, who's going to stop you? Yeah. Who's well, going to stop you? And and the other thing for Caleb I'd like to point out is it, it's not like he – how many times in the last three games have I had to say something like, oh, he wants that pass back? None. I can't even think no. of really one. Like he's he's missed some throws, but no. not not there, in the sense that like he's putting him in dangerous spots. He's just there's a couple throws know. where I maybe haven't agreed with, but like yeah, like, there's nothing where y- you look at it and say, oh, he's throwing into triple coverage. He's, yeah, he's making a, uh, a a decision that he shouldn't have made. Like I yeah. I told you last week, I said he's playing like people expected Sam Donald to play after the Rose Bowl. And Matt Barkley to play in his senior year where you put all this newfound responsibility on them and expect them to thrive. Donald and Barkley regressed. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cody Kessler regressed, right? Like those Keaton Slovis regressed over his last two years. All those guys regressed. Here's Caleb Williams in year two of the system. He only started half the season last year. Yeah. And he's already like taking more steps to, to be really damn good. And even though his stats weren't like world beater, his, his rating was a, uh, a, a very low one forty nine point nine. Wow. <laughs> yeah. After putting up like 200 ratings in the, yeah. in the but, at, but he got the job done at halftime. I forget who it was, but they were saying like, yeah, I think this is one of the better performances in Caleb's career, not because of what he's done, but because he, what, what he hasn't done. And I think, um, I don't know that I would go so far as to say this is like the best performance of his career, but I do think there's something to be said for in a game where he is having the left tackle trouble that he's having in a game where I, and I agree with um, Mark Manalo in, in the, in the chat saying that there were times when his internal clock was way off tonight. I agree. I think there were times when he just, he, he, he like, I, I almost would have rather him just say, screw it. I just got to run. I just got to, or, or there were a couple plays where I thought, especially during those punt, punt, uh, sequences when well that sack where he got it, like eight seconds of of uh, protection finally yeah yeah protection's gonna break down eventually like a, like there was a certain point on a couple of those that 
he just needed to dump it off to Travis Dye and and just get the three or four yards, maybe four, maybe he breaks the tackle, something like that, and take what's there. Um, I think that that if you want to be critical of his decision making, I think those were the areas that it was in. But when you talk about a quarterback and you watch the quarterback play from around the country uh, for this, you know, this week, last week, the week before, if you have a quarterback that can make the plays that he can make with his legs, with his arm and all that kind of stuff, but then doesn't try to force it ever, you're going to be in such a good position because when things go wrong, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to punt. And shout out to uh, Aiden Sleep Dalton, two excellent punts, Mm -hmm. excellent from the, the punt team. A lot of other special teams things that I didn't like, but the punt, the punt got the punts got dealt with, and that was that was great to see. Um, but I did want to get back to your your thing about the uh, grave digger offense. I love that description, and I think that's why I want to give the defense a lot of credit for that first three and out, because if you walk into every game saying, "Okay, defense." If we get the ball to start with, the offense is going to score a touchdown on their opening drive. You need one stop, and you now have a two a two possession cushion for the entire game, which is what USC has had in the last two games mm-hmm. when things have been a little bit a little bit more squeaky. Um, it didn't ever get to a point where it was like, yeah, USC is really in danger because there was always an 11 or 14 point deficit in the game. Yeah. USC's offense can do that to you because they just score on their opening two drives. Just tag it in. They're scoring 14 points. You're, you're done. When, when you're a defense that's going to be as vulnerable as this defense is going to be, you can live with that because all you need is that one stop, that one stop, that one turnover, that one, uh, you know, the third down, get off the field kind of play. And suddenly you have cushion, you have breathing room. You you can you can play looser for the rest of the game. And when you give up that big run, that's just going to happen. It's not the end of the world. You're not totally demoralized. Where on the other side, like like you said, I think that the great thing about this offense is it's, to me, so demoralizing from the other side of it. Like, yeah, because I've watched offenses do what USC's offense does to USC. And it is demoralizing. It is like, get off the damn field. But you just know, like, it's the kind of offense where, you know, a lot of times when I, uh, you'd watch USC and you'd get in a fourth down situation and you'd just be like, don't go for it because, like, that's what they want you to do. Like, mm-hmm. or watching an opposing offense against USC's defense going like, man, I hope they don't go for it on fourth down because, like, I really don't want them to go for it on fourth down because I think they can get those two yards easily did, if did they just try. Did you ever think they weren't going to get one of those fourth downs no, in the this, first half? That's no, what I this, thought they were going to get them all. This oh, USC team, it's crazy that confidence that I think we, we all can feel where it's like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, because how are they going to stop you? For, and that's the other thing, like, it's not just Caleb Williams going to make a play, which he absolutely can, and the way he can scramble on those in those key downs really, really does make a difference. But at the, like at the same time, teams are having trouble stopping USC on the ground in those situations. Yeah. How, I mean, can we talk about the turnaround to go from USC can't get short yardage conversions to save their lives? Well, it certainly helps when you have the ability to have Caleb Williams do the keeper, right? Like, Or, or it, even just the, yeah, the threat. There. Yeah, just the threat of that keeper is great. 
the keeper itself is great. Um, and I think, you know, Travis Dye and Austin Jones have really come up and, and shown you that they can get the job done. They, they both have good vision. They both have good toughness and power and they can, they can, you know, get the, the yards that they need in a, in a, in a tough situation or even when, when they're given, you know, room to run. And they're just, again, you just, everything to love about the the guys on this offense. There's just so many weapons, mm-hmm. so many weapons. And, you know, it's funny because like early in the game, uh, I think Ryan Abraham was talking about how like Brendan Rice made a couple of really nice plays early in the game. And I said, it smells like a Brendan Rice kind of game. And it turned out not to be, he only had four catches for 18 yards, but like that's the situation that USC is in. Like they can have a player go out and make, two really great plays for the offense and then not hear from him again and it not be a problem because you've got Jordan Addison making plays. You've got Mario Williams making plays. You've got freaking Malcolm Epps making plays. Like it's, it's Taj Washington got a target tonight. Taj Washington, when he got the target, he, he, what we caught, he caught a 21 yard, uh, pass. So like good on him. <laughs> um, you know, Lake McCree is involved. He didn't, he didn't necessarily get, uh, I think the one catch he had was pulled back by that um, the offensive pass interference, which is disappointing, but yeah. not really his fault. Uh, he had a couple great blocking moments in this game that I was really excited to see. But it's just, you know, we came into the season talking about, like, this is going to be a pick-your-poison offense. And it really has been a pick-your-poison offense. And, and the nice thing is it's not pick-your-poison in the sense of, like, these guys have to be completely unstoppable studs on an individual level at all times. Like you can just sit back and like watch the play design scheme, Travis die open yeah. scheme, just Jordan Addison open. Like, and, and then the ability to bounce back between Travis die and Austin Jones was huge tonight. I mean, they were basically the same guy. Uh, Austin Jones, 12 carries 110 yards, Travis die 11 carries 102 yards. Basically the same line, 9.2 and 9.3. Like they had the same exact production there. And Darwin uh, Barlow, Darwin Barlow gets two carries for 17. He averages 8.5. Like, so it's, you know, I, I don't, I I want to see Travis die and Austin Jones be healthy and continue to lead this, this rushing offense. But like, I think Darwin Barlow could eat in this offense. We know Mm -hmm. really Brown can eat in this offense. Um, and the fact that USC doesn't need to use really Brown right now, I still think is a very, very positive thing yeah. uh, in the long run. Get him fully healthy on that ankle. Don't stretch him too far. He's going to potentially become very important for USC in the second half of the season when you really need a game breaker with his kind of speed. But like, I just, I can't, I can't say anything. I I can't stop saying positive things about this offense because there's so much to love about it. Mm-hmm. The only concern I have going into next week now is, you know, you got to figure out something on that offensive line if if Ford and and Haskins are both are both injured. But like even then, I part of me trusts Lincoln Riley enough to say, okay, we're gonna have our issues at left tackle. Let's game plan around that. And and, and I think you're gonna see those for sure. I mean, yeah. look, at, look at the second half. I thought this second half they come out. Um, really to establish more of the run. And I thought it was interesting that I, in my mind had it that they ran the ball and ran, 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 ran all second half. 
And yet I look in here and and for Austin Jones to only have 12 carries and Travis I to only have 11, it felt like so much more than that. But that's yeah. because they were picking up so many different yards that they didn't have to, uh, you know, keep handing it off the ball 20 million times. Right? They also they also have a way of getting the running backs involved in the passing game that I think is yeah. very effective. They also Travis died three catches, 36 yards. We also saw a lot of those uh, option keepers from from Caleb Williams that faked me out a couple times and faked the defense out a couple times. Uh, that uh, that that are you know those rushing plays that continue to just keep the pressure on the defense and and make it extremely difficult to contend. How do you how do you stop these guys? I don't know. That's going to be the question for Oregon State. It's going to be a question for everybody else to try to come up with. Uh, Alicia, let's go to some questions in the chat here. Ross says, any news re the extent uh, in terms of the extent of the injuries to Forder Haskins left tackle ranks looking dim? Don't expect Lincoln Rally to talk about this. I didn't see the exact quotes um, after the game uh, on Twitter. I haven't been following along on Twitter while we've been on here, but don't expect any sort of updates there. Um, this is going to be something that SC is just going to have to deal with, and I think it's going to be something that it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. Is it going to be more about the running game like we saw in the second half? I'm interested to see if that means more screens, more swing passes, more ability to do that, to move the – they moved the launch point in the second half. You saw those things a little bit more. Um, Ford, if you can get him back to practice, the sooner the better, right? And really help that out so that you know, that way you don't have to throw uh, Mason Murphy out there like like he was. It Ford, one, was it one play and in, in, in a sack? Well, Two and, plays in a sack? Yeah, when he first came in. But then they, they brought him back in later on when Haskins went down injured again for those yeah. sort of last drives. And he looked he looked better. He looked okay. Um, Ford dressed though, right? I want to say he dressed. I I missed that to e- either way. I, I know that he wasn't practicing. Like the yeah. thought was that he probably wasn't practicing during the week. But. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking like if he dressed, uh, maybe it was just sort of a tactical thing, but that makes me a little bit more confident that like maybe he's not that far off. But again, we're you, not really getting, know. we're not getting it a lot of, we're not getting injury updates from, from USC this year. And I wouldn't expect any more. Uh, clarity on any of those things yeah yeah well especially because it's such a critical sort of tactical question for Oregon State to be pondering mm-hmm. um so we'll yeah. see 100 percent uh big shout out to everyone in the chat right now uh as, as it's been noted we've been up to over 224 people yeah. live here but on YouTube not gonna it lie is, it is almost midnight we started it's great we started in the first look I got at the the numbers in the chat. We were at like sixty six, and I'm like, "Damn, guys, it's it's eleven twenty five Pacific time." Like, <laughs> shout out to all of you guys for, for all two hundred and twenty four of you guys who are in there right now, because it's late and I was not expecting a turnout. So <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, going back to some of the questions that we've gotten so far. Uh, in the chat, SJ says, when does SC's offense become discombobulated from, t- or why does SC's offense become discombobulated from time to time? Uh, what, what, what say you, Alicia? Well, first and foremost, I just think that USC is playing another team and that other team does have goals and that other team does have players that are out there trying to make plays. 
And I think that, um, you know, we talked in the, in the, uh, preview podcast about the, the defensive ends at Fresno state were very good players who were very, um, uh, very, they were veteran guys who can get after you. I think Perella's had a really outstanding game and sometimes they're just going to beat you. Sometimes it's just, they're, sometimes they're going to scheme it right and send a, a blitz at the right time. And sometimes they're just going to get one over on, on your offensive lineman or on a receiver or on whoever. And sometimes they're going to make the quarterback nervous and, you know, not, not know what's going on. Um, I think that uh, sometimes you just have to credit the opposing defense for making you look discombobulated at times. And it won't be easy to do to this team, but occasionally you're going to have those moments. And uh, that's the the thing that you have to always remember. No, no offense, even the greatest offenses in the history of the planet. Like we all remember 2005 USC as being unstoppable. They had three and outs. They had turnovers. They had situations where, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, how many times did they have terrible first halves? Like how many times did they go into the, well, into the break with like barely any points and looking all wrong? That's what I was thinking about comparing this offense to the great offenses of the past, right? The 2005 offense for SC, that thing was, it was about the middle quarters and taking the games over in the middle quarters. Mm-hmm. You look back at the Chip Kelly offenses in Oregon. The thing about those teams is they would lull you into this false sense of security, thinking that you had a chance, and then all of a sudden they'd score 40 points over like 20 minutes, yeah. and suddenly you were just, you know, you had no opportunity and, to come back. And half the time Th- This offense get, is completely different. Yeah, half the time they'd get 21 points in like two minutes, and then you sort of look around going like, yeah, look, what happened? Look at the Rose Bowl, the... the um. Jameis Williams and uh, J- Jameis Winston uh, Rose Bowl, right? Like yeah. that game just completely just collapsed went, on Florida yeah. State. Yeah. Um, but no, this offense is completely different. And it's the grave digger offense because they're going to dig your grave at the beginning of the game, put you in it, and then just tell you you have to climb out. And your only way to climb out is to have a hell of a game on offense and get stops on defense. And you have to do both. And at this point, no team has been able to do both. Um, Stanford last week was able to put together their offensive uh, drives and score four touchdowns, but they couldn't get stops on defense until the second half, and even then it was a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. Fresno State, sort of the same thing today. Rice, it was Rice, but you know we saw the same thing in the first half. Rice was able to move the ball in the first half, couldn't do anything after that. Their Their whole psyche broke once – all those pick sixes kind of bunched in in the middle portion of the game. So yeah, everything kind of goes that way. Um, Randy says, do you think Riley, um, uh, Riley and Caleb Williams needs to work on getting the ball out quicker, quicker? I, I think that Caleb needs to react to the, the, like have his internal clock react when the offensive line situation isn't ideal. Um, and like I said earlier, like I, I think that there's something to be said for his calm and not panicking and not forcing the ball out quickly when he doesn't need to. I think those are uh, you'd rather have that than him just like being, you know, happy feet and just being playing scared. So I think it's more just about recognizing like, oh, you know what? They are sending blitzes or they are. My offensive line is is, you know, getting one over this way or that way. Like. 
maybe I just need to take what's there. I think if I was Riley, that's what I would tell Caleb after this game. Just like, or certainly feels like maybe that's what he told him at, at halftime. Just, you know, you don't have to go for the big play every time. You don't have to, you don't have to do, um, get a big chunk yards or whatever. Like if it's not there, I, every play has an outlet, like that, at least from what I've been able to see so far. So if, if you're in range for like a coverage sack, like I think was a, a situation at, at times in this game, Travis Dye is right there. Just dump it down. It's yeah. okay. 100%. And Bill Williams has been so good about, uh, even when he's been conservative about making yeah. the, the right decision there. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's turn the page over here and talk about the defense. Uh, we've talked about the offense pretty extensively here. Talk about the defense. 17 points. That's the part where you look at it and you go, hell yeah, you take that against anybody, Fresno State especially, someone that has Jake Hayner, one of the best quarterbacks on the schedule, maybe the best quarterback that SC will face all season. I don't know. Well, we'll see how that plays out, right? He ends up only playing a half of this game, leaves when uh, Solomon Bird rolls on his ankle and it looked really 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 bad your your limbs are not supposed to bend that way Mm-mm. no and i always feel bad i a turnover is a turnover is the rules of the game but like i always feel so bad when like there's a fumble and it was very clearly a fumble because of pain mm-hmm. which i think this was, it was like, like jj daniels and his acl tear yeah Wasn't like that a fumble too 
I, I, I think so. Yeah. Or where it's just like when a dude has something happen to them like that and they drop the ball because their ankle just got destroyed. Like I, I just, I feel so bad. I do. It just insult to injury, man. Yeah. But let's talk about the defensive line because I am so torn about their performance Uh, in terms (laughs) of pass rush. This USC defensive line had a hell of a game. They really came to life in this game. Yeah. Julie Tupelotu was in the backfield. It felt like every single play um, that at least that was a passing play. Um, Fresno State would drop back to pass and he would be in the backfield every single play. Um, he got two sacks, two tackles for loss. We talked about last year, last week when he had like, what was it? Four tackles for loss that he's never going to rep- replicate these numbers. That was, that's so good for uh, a lineman like him and blah, blah, blah. Well, here he goes. Another incredible game. At this point, he looks like one of the best linemen in the country. As and, a pass rusher. As a pass rusher. Yes. Yes. It's all as a pass rusher. <laughs> yes. Uh, Solomon Bird. Love Solomon Bird, man. Solomon Bird had a hell of a game. A sack, two tackles for loss. He gets the forced fumble on the strip sack uh, when, when Jake Hayner ultimately goes out of the game. That one I thought was interesting because it was Solo Bird who tackled him. Was who solo. wrapped up Hayner after the hit? Solo, solo Pupu. Yes. So it was solo and solo. Yeah, solo and solo. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to really, really enjoy seeing 51 flying around out there. Yeah. I really am. Like to go from the start of the season when it was like, wait, who's 51? To now just going like, come on, like Burge just out there playing like a dog. I love it. Yeah. He's he's been he's been tremendous. The transfer from, from Wyoming is really putting everything together. Uh and then you look at Brandon Peely, someone who we've waited forever to get healthy. Just like Solomon Tuliaupupu, um, at least Brandon Peely had you know uh, years of being uh, in this in the rotation, um, but finally back out there gets a sack tonight. Um, he there was a sack where it was him and and Tule kind of like teaming up together. I think Peely got the credit for it. You'll love to see that. Dejon Benton, uh, not much on the stat sheet, only two tackles, but I thought he was in the backfield yeah. getting pressure on the quarterback nonstop in this game. The pass rush, very good. Now you combine that with what the, the defensive line did in the run game, and it's a whole different side of things. Yeah, and that's that's the – so um, – I'm somebody in the chat very early on in the chat. I think it was Reeves or something with an R um, was talking about how the part of the problem is that USC doesn't really have a DT that they can really rely on as like a run stopper. And I, I agreed with that. Um, just sort of reading in the chat, like, Part of this feels like a personnel issue. You need your CBT. That defensive line is undersized, and where they're un- where they're not undersized, I just don't think Brandon Peely is that guy. Yeah, uh, you need, like you said, yeah, you need your CBT. You need your immovable force. You, you know what it is, Stevie. I mean, um, Brandon Peely is so athletic that he plays like someone who is smaller than he yes. is. Yes. Yeah. And. and- that helps when it comes to pursuits and it helps when it comes to, you know, being able to be a pass rusher. But when it comes to plugging the hole in the run game, not very much. Yeah. And that's really the issue is that the, the line gets moved around too easily. 
uh, and that's what opens up the the door for um, for the the running backs to get into the second level. Yeah. Um, I think the linebackers are too easily tricked by misdirection. Mm-hmm. Uh, run fits are not always great. We, we did get a question about the the misdirection um, from JY. How do you fix this defense being so bad at sniffing out the misdirection plays? Well, I thought that was interesting because when we talk about USC's defense defenses of the past. That was the big knock on the Clancy Pendergast defense uh, that they that they were terrible against misdirection. I think of one of the plays in this game that was so brilliant was the tight end screen, kind of similar to what SC was wanting to do with that counter tunnel screen that we saw went for a touchdown to Jordan Addison in the first half of the Stanford game last week. They ran it in tonight, not nearly to the same amount of success, but. Same thing, where you have a little bit of misdirection, but you also have blockers out in front, and you just completely decimate SC by the numbers. SC struggled with that. They struggled with that reverse that was that was there in in the first half. They it, just struggle out on the edges the, in, in general. Yeah, no matter no matter how you get but, there, if you get to the corner, you're going to go far against this defense. But one, where I would push back. If you're going to be susceptible to misdirection, you have to have you have to be able to make game breaking plays. And this is the big caveat about this defense is we can sit here and say how terrible they were against the run. Uh, the you know uh, Mims from from Fresno State was averaging seven point six a clip on his on his runs. Sherrod was at five point nine. Uh, they were just gassing gassing SC up the middle. All of that true, but SC was still able to make havoc plays. Uh, they they forced a couple of turnovers. My new one's a hail mary interception. Honestly, those shouldn't even really count as turnovers. Yeah. Um. I. I it, it's a bummer that Jake Hayner's like long streak of interceptions was snapped on a hail mary pick. Like, um. We, we'll talk about Malcolm Epps and how cool it was that he got the pick for that. But those things happen, right? But. They they are able to force um, fourth down stops, multiple fourth down stops in this game late in the game where Fresno State could have kind of crawled back into this, potentially made things a little bit interesting for our friends in the desert, uh, as Brent Musburger would say. They didn't do that because SC was able to get the stops on fourth down. They were able to get to the quarterback five sacks in this game. They were able to have the pass rush. They were able to have the strip sack by Solomon Bird. So, yes, they're susceptible to the, to the misdirection. But if the trade-off is you're so aggressive that you also make these big plays and you're forcing all these turnovers, two more turnovers tonight, and you add that on to the 10 turnovers that they had in the first two games, 12 through three games, and zero giveaways, I, I mean, when your offense is basically perfect – Well, uh, and and this is the this is the there's a sort of a f- philosophical thing going on here too because I think that an aggressive defense like this will always be susceptible to misdirection plays. Yeah, like that's that's how you beat an aggressive defense in terms of just sort of the fundamentals. Right. The way that you get better about not getting killed by those plays is number one, team speed, because it's like recovery speed matters in a high risk defense, because if you're going to get beat, then getting out and, and limiting, like 
I think one of the things that I would like to see from USC is there were plays in this game that the defense got beat for 40 yards when realistically you could have only given up 15. Yeah. And like that adds up eventually, right? 100%. Yeah. So you can live with giving up the 15-yard gain on the misdirection every once in a while, but when when it becomes 40 yards now you're you're getting into trouble. So um part of that to me it really has to do with personnel because I mean, there are guys who just take poor angles, make bad decisions. There was uh, one of the touchdowns, Kalen Bullock just comes up and completely whiffs on on tackling a uh, tackling the receiver. Like, not that that was misdirection play, but like it's those kinds of things where it's just like take a better angle, tackle better, and those situations won't be as devastating as they were at times in this game, and they will be in this season. Now, you get to how much better at tackling can you get? I hope that you can get a lot better. Um, as the season goes on, you get better at judging, uh, angles and, and your speed versus another player's speed, all that kind of stuff, getting to the ball where it needs to be. Um, but there is also an element of, do you have instinctual defenders who are able to sniff out the ball and understand that misdirection might be coming and be prepared for it? There might be limitations there in terms of just do you have those defenders? Because right. it's a reasonable question to to ask, you know, yeah, where are those guys? Well, they might not be there. Well, it goes back to the discussion we had the other day that, you know, the on offense, you have these playmakers who, you know, can be all American level guys. We know, we know that Travis Dye can lead the pack 12 and rushing, right? We've seen it before. Yeah. We know that Jordan Addison can be the best wide receiver in the nation. We've literally seen it before. He's won the Bolitnikov. Yes. Right? On defense, the whole hope was you hope that Kalen Bullock can take the step to be an All-American type guy. You hope that Eric Gentry can take the step from being a freshman All-American to being an All-American type guy. You hope that Tui Polotu can do that same thing, right? You hope that all these guys do that. You just need to actually see it. and. Again, at least the offense is there winning these games right now to allow the defense time to gel. And in year one, I'm completely fine with SC not being perfect, uh, especially on defense well, in in the Alex Grinch thing. It's just about the baby steps. And the baby steps, I think, were here tonight. Yes. Even if the numbers uh, weren't necessarily there when you look at the rushing stuff with Mims averaging 7.6 yards a carry. it. They allowed 17 points. They they made the plays when they needed to. They did those against Stanford last week. They did it against Fresno State this week a, against the team that we, we can say probably has even better quarterback play with, with Jake Hayner and, and Logan Fife was even better than Hayner was in this game. So I don't know. They're, they're not perfect. They're, they're, this, is also, not, this is not a defense that is going to win you a national championship, Kalen, but they don't need to be in your one. Kalen Bullock is a sophomore. Eric Gentry is a sophomore. Like Eric Gentry looks to me like an absolute stud. Like I just love watching him play. He's still a young dude. He's still a dude that's like that that's having to learn. Like even you know we get questions about Corey Foreman every week. Like Corey Foreman is still a very young, very young defensive lineman. Well, as Emilio Castillo of Tower of Power would say, "You're still a young man." 
but okay. Yeah. I mean, they are. Don't so, oh, they all, I don't get that reference, but they are all Howdy. young men. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, uh, but, you, you mentioned Corey Foreman. We did get a question from Lamont who says, do you guys see Corey Foreman's USC career going the same as EA, uh, as in Polyé now Teote? It's so early, guys. Like, I know that. I, I know that everyone wants to decide that a player's career is going to do one thing or another based on very limited time span. It just it's just very early. We'll see. We'll see. He's he was dealing with injury stuff. He's been dealing with injury stuff. Do I want to see him become a great player for USC and and maximize his talent? Absolutely. Right now, that's not where he's at. He might get there. He might not. It. Were, were we just talking about him last week getting a sack and like? Yeah, being close. so. I, I, I think he needs a little bit more leeway. Yeah. I think the the difficult thing about EA was he had that game against Colorado in which he looked incredible. Yeah. And then you never saw him get remotely close to the point where the, in the UCLA game they had a walk on. Um, take over for for Cam Smith instead of him, right? Well, and 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 that's the you know the question I guess gets to the heart of is there a disconnect between physical talent and football IQ? Yeah, and I I don't and know. I think it's way too early to tell. I think yeah. I think with 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 Natiote, it was very much he just never progressed within that defense, and part of that could be. The coaching staff never found a way to connect with him as far as getting him to buy in or to really f- learn and understand the concepts that they were giving him. So there's might have been a coaching failure there. Might have been an individual failure there, certainly. Corey Foreman is too young to, to write off at this point. If he doesn't pan out as anything more than a physical specimen, then that's going to be on him in the end. But... You can't you can't write him off at this point from that perspective. You, it's just it's far too far 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 too early for him. Yeah, hundred percent. Lamont Lamont also says if if Gentry puts on fifteen to twenty pounds, how much more of a problem would, would he be? Yeah, I I think ideally you want more on on that frame. Can for, you imagine? Sure. <laughs> Dude is already like a just a a a, a sight <laughs> to behold on the football field. <laughs> if you just like made him thicker, like I, make him as thick as Shane Lee, you're it, just gonna be like a giant. Like at, at the same time, you don't uh, want like, him to lose lose his fluidity either. Well, but you talk about it's not a video game, and it's not a yeah. video game. He can't just like boost his his uh, his stats, his, his thickness, and all yeah. these things, right? So, but yeah, I think that yeah, if, if ideally um, another year in the, in the weight room, I think would, would would help him out a little bit. But yeah, you don't want to take away from his agility and his yeah. uh, ability to pursue and all those kind of things, a hundred percent. DMG for USC says, "What uh, needs to happen for the D to be able to look good against some of the high-powered offenses that we will see um, pretty soon on on the schedule?" I have a question: What offenses are those? Because well, uh, high I, powered is a is a is a. I, th- I think can we say Oregon State's offense is better than Fresno State's? I think yes. Yes, but we're still talking uh, like thirty five not- point. Oregon State and Fresno State both have thirty five point offenses, which are good offenses, but yeah, not exactly like the forty five point I, offenses that you would say are are high powered. 
Um, I don't think that there's that the, the way the schedule plays out this year, there's not many teams that are just uber potent. Oregon State, Utah, UCLA. Those are the offenses that I think you look at and say on their day, they could yes. they could really just go to town. Everybody else, I mean, Arizona State just lost to now, I mean, Eastern Washington. The, the flip side of this is SC has played three teams. Yeah. Rice, Stanford, and Fresno State, and all three of those teams have been able to run the ball with no issues. Yes. So the flip side is they don't need to face a high-powered offense because whoever they face will be able to gain yards. Yeah. And which is more of the question that that, that Dave's asking here is like, what happens when it gets when even an even better team? I just don't know that there is that even better team on the schedule. Because like I said, I I think Jake Hayner probably is the best quarterback they're going to face all year. Uh, I'd give, I'd give rising that nod. It's, it's at least close, right? Like it's not an obvious thing either way. Utah, we know that has been able to have a high powered offense, but like, is their offense the one that's going to keep you up at night all week? No. Yeah. Uh, mind you, that's also been the problem of why they sneak up on people. So yeah, I, I think that the the problem needs to be that you end up ensuring that you continue to make the big plays when you need them. You you make the fourth down stops, you you force the turnovers, you get tight in the red zone, all of those things. And if you continue to do that and give up, you know, empty calorie yardage between the 20s and your offense continues to score 40 45 points a game you're going to win just about every game well see and this is my concern is that as much as you can look at the you know better offenses on the schedule to me the real question is the better defenses on the schedule because USC yeah. has yet to play a really good defense um utah now that's the other question is where are the really good defenses on this schedule? I don't know that there are many, but the first defense that can figure out how to hold USC to 35 points is going to be the first team that's going to have a chance of beating this USC team. Right. So it's less to me about like how high powered you don't need to be a high powered offense to beat this team because realistically, if your plan is to be in a shootout with this team, you've already lost. Sure. Like the chance of anyone on USC schedule being able to keep up with Caleb Williams and these guys is very low. The question is, can you hold USC to 35 points and put up 35 yourself? I, You know what the game plan is to beat SC right now is to play, to do what Stanford did, except don't turn the ball over in the red zone mm-hmm. and hope that you get like one or two more stops defensively and then you win the game. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially. Try to beat SC in the 30s. You want to score 35 points and hold them to under 35 points. It's yeah. just that, like, both, of, like, especially getting the, both of those things to work out. Getting both of those things to work out in the same game, I think, is going to be difficult. Yeah. And on top of that, getting um, SC to score fewer than 41 points, like they did last week against Stanford, I think is, is going to be difficult, especially in a game like tonight, like we talked about where the offense wasn't perfect for most of it, uh, and they were still able to score 45 points and nearly score on every single one of their drives. Only had two punts in the middle of the game. Um, More questions here. Damon says, uh, didn't Grinch have this issue at OU also? And if so, then a lot of the defensive problems may be coaching time will tell. 
Yeah, I, I think that if you talk to a lot of OU fans, they're not happy with what Grinch did there. But here's the thing. Grinch exceeded expectations at, at Washington State with personnel that wasn't traditionally deemed to be exceptional, right? Like Hercules Mata'afa was a baller yeah. at, at Washington State despite being an undersized uh, defensive lineman. Like he got so much out of out of defenses that weren't necessarily up to size at the same instance. So if, if you want to say that, that these things have been repetitive since then, sure, I think that's fair. I think that, you know, really – so many of these defensive coaches are at a loss because the offense is so advanced in college football right now that even the best coaches, defensive coaches in the country, your Brett Venables um, and your your Dave Arandas are going to end up giving forty giving up forty points now and then. Um, but at the same point, it's so early to say that about Alex Grinch when he didn't recruit these guys. We we have yet to really see him at any school have three, four years to put together his dudes and recruit them all and see how it all goes. Yeah. Uh, he was at OU. What was it? Three seasons, two, two, two seasons, whatever it was after he left Ohio state. Like, I don't know. I, I and that might be part of his problem. Like the, who, sure. who knows? But again, it, it's, it, it's a situation where like, if we're going to talk about what, Alex Grinch's situation will or won't be, you know, down the line. We don't know. We we can only judge it based on what he's doing with the personnel that he has right now. And I think it's an uphill battle for him right now. So let's see what he does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Josh says, do you think that this team comes away from this game having learned uh, what maturation is since they had a team who tried to uh, who tried to punch back? Um, I think every every game. I think Stanford tried to punch back too. Um, I think yeah, especially towards the second end of the second half. Yeah, I think every game is a learning experience for for the team, or it should be absolutely. Um, uh, I think the defense gets to really. I think Grinch gets to come out of this, and and Lincoln, looking at his defense as well, gets to come out of this really saying like, "See, this is how you respond. That is how. Yeah. That is what you do." even though it's late in the game, even though it doesn't matter, you get that goal line stop because being able to do that, then you could do it in a, in a more critical situation later. Like that's really important. That's a, a really um, good learning lesson for this team. Um, uh, bird yeah. bird on YouTube says, uh, yeah, I don't think we're in the same league as Georgia or Ohio state. We might be a dark horse to beat one of those teams in a playoff, but we need a more respectable D I don't think anybody is in that league. Georgia, yeah. Ohio State look to be in a league of their own. I assume Alabama's in that same league too. We're going to see more about that as the, the the year goes on, given how the Texas game went. But there is no shame in not being in that league right now for USC. This no. is year one. I, I think year one, you compared this. You you end up comparing this team to what they were last year. In year two, you start to compare them nationally yeah. and where they want to go. And you hope that they're in the right direction to that. And by year three is when you look at Georgia and Ohio State and say, okay, now how do they compare? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, they're, they're not in those same leagues, but who is? There's like three teams that are in the, that's in that league, and they're so far better than everyone else that's not even – I mean, 
the Oregon game I thought was telling today. Like they, <laughs> they throttled BYU and I sat there thinking like my brain doesn't know how to compute this. Well, okay, but this is the this is one of the things that I've been sort of thinking about at the start of the season. It's so unfair to judge teams at the start of the season. Everybody was yeah. writing Oregon the hell off after that Georgia loss. And I'm just sort of like watching it going like, yes, this might mean that Oregon is bad, but more likely it means that the Georgia is this much better than an Oregon team that let's actually be fair is probably a top 15 team. Um, if you just go straight, yeah. just go straight on top 20 team, I guess, depending on sort of how you want to look at it. But yeah, I was not surprised that Oregon was able to, to beat BYU, especially being at home at Austin. Like it just, it's one of those things. And like sometimes losing a game early by that much says a lot more about the other team than it does about like, oh, you are a trash team. No, it's just 99% of the teams in the country right now would get their butt handed to them by Georgia right now. Like there is no doubt in my mind that that it's not even USC does not want Georgia. USC does not want Bama. USC should just want to come out and field the best possible offense they can and to work through some of the the growing pains on defense and see how this season comes out and enjoy the ride. Yeah, 100%. Uh Thomas says, "Did you see Joseph Manchek fight his own teammate tonight?" Uh, over at Houston. What what was that so about? So weird. I don't know. I just I saw I heard about Houston players fighting on the sideline and then like on Twitter I saw like oh it was Manjack. I'm like what even in the world? Yeah. 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 That yeah. that was that was wild. Uh Dave the Greater, why is Michael hiding his face on the split screen with it's it with the spit screen? Uh it okay, this is a um a pop filter. And so that way the peas don't pop. Oh, they're still when, popping. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This this is just how the mic the mic works. The problem okay. is the camera placement. To be fair, what I'll say is the the pop filter getting it to stay in one spot is very tricky. So once yes. you have it in a spot, you just don't want. And I try touch not to it. touch it because then it creates yeah. a, a sound that like Alicia bumped hers earlier, yeah. and I'm just going to pretend that I forgot it, but I didn't. Yeah. No, uh, I know. But like, no, I. I this is the perfect spot for it to be. It's the camera that's You're the just issue. trying to be Wilson from Home Improvement. Yeah. I mean, we we could get smaller pop filters. Mm-hmm. But also it's yeah, it's kind of cool that you you don't get to see my 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 face. Just hide. Yeah. Um Dave the Lesser says, what sort of crystal ball do you have uh, to set those over-unders to be so spot on? So, like, annoyingly spot on on I, a couple of these today. I, I don't want to get into them totally because I want, want you guys to come back for the uh, for the Fallout episode on Monday. But, yes, uh, the rushing one is was within a yard. And within, the points was... Uh, and the points one was within, within a half, half point. point. Yes. Yeah. So pretty, pretty spot on right there. Each, each of us kind of nailed one. Um, Mark says, where do you think USC will be ranked this week? Uh, well, they're ranked seventh now. Uh, I don't think anyone ahead of them lost, right? No one ahead of them lost and no one had a nervous enough game to justify uh, or to expect USC to jump anybody. Yeah, I think the teams that would be that you would think could drop are behind them. Yeah. So I, I think they'll still. You would sad. have needed Oklahoma to really struggle with Nebraska, and mm-hmm. they ended up blowing them out. And people are giving them a lot of credit for that. So uh, you also would have needed Clemson to 
to be absolutely in trouble against the sisters of the poor, whoever they were playing. They didn't just not this week. Yeah. Uh, Hokey P. Alicia, can we take a second to thank Carol Folt for hiring Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Carol Folt, for hiring Mike Bone. <laughs> and thank you, Mike Bone, for hiring Brandon Sosna. I, I haven't and thank you, her Brandon, mentions. Are Brandon her mentions Sosna. still toxic? They might be toxic with Oklahoma fans. You never know. <laughs> That's where all the toxicity is coming from. But uh, but yeah, the cascade of hires. This This is what happens when you make good hires with people who know what job it is that they that they're doing the job that they are hired to do yeah for sure yeah. uh randy says are the problems with gap assignments more on the d line or the linebackers uh both por que no los dos <laughs> i don't know i have we'd have to like watch the game back closely I'd... yeah i i'm i i don't pretend to know uh so much about x's and o's to be able to pin down the exact specificity of those things what I would recommend is listening to the Victory Podcast yes. with our friend uh, Kilior and um, her her co-host Dion Bailey. You Who will be have better to, insight uh, in that, yeah, sure. insight on those exact specifics. But I thought the I thought the linebackers at times were 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 solid. One of the plays that, that steps out to me was Gentry shutting down a third down on a in the in the end of the second quarter. Uh, that was a little flip run. And the whole defense goes laterally and just stands there right at the right at the first down marker. Everyone just sets the edge. No one lets them get by. I thought that was a nifty little play there. But yeah, I think you can give uh, you can have gripes about both the line and the uh, the linebackers there. Um, Ito says Grinch is living off the success with uh, Washington State. He can't turn around by next season. Riley needs to let him go. And bring in a new DC that we can prepare for the Big Ten conference move. It's a, I think it's been three games, um, <laughs> 180 minutes of football. Um, like I, I don't disagree that like Grinch's claim to fame is the Washington State years. Sure, I, I get it, but also there's a reason that he got hired at three blue bloods since then. I, I also just default back to making changes can be counterproductive um having to install new systems and build sort of and and then having your recruiting be impacted by who is going to be recruited by who and blah blah blah. like all of that kind of stuff gets complicated um i would agree that like i think eventually lincoln riley needs to figure out what he needs from a dc but I would also caution about, okay, so you fire Alex French. Well, who are you hiring? Because, like, Dave Aranda's not available anymore. Um, and unless you're telling yeah. me you're getting Dave Aranda, then, uh, then I think that making a, making a change this early could end up biting in the butt. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Joe says, is it me or should we not be too worried about Oregon State next week? Corvallis on the road is always tough, but against the same opponent in Fresno State, we look much better especially on offense. Um, I think that comparing the two games is probably a little bit difficult just because like the transitive property doesn't always work on a football field. It, it really doesn't. Uh, I think that going to Corvallis is a, is a huge test for USC, a much bigger test than going to Stanford. Um, 
Like I said earlier in this car cast, though, I am less worried now than I was before this Fresno State game. But I also think that Oregon State could threaten USC for exactly the same, if not better, reasons than Fresno State uh, had me worrying coming into this game. Particularly because I think it's just easier for things to work out in your favor when you're playing at home. I'm very nervous about road trips. I completely disagree. The transitive property is <laughs> never wrong. <laughs> yep. um, case in point, last year, if you all remember, SC beat Washington State. Washington State beat ASU. ASU beat UCLA. UCLA beat LSU. LSU beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Bama. Yes. So SC beats Bama yeah. last year. Like, yeah. duh. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the, the Oregon State thing next week is – uh, Oregon State just—it was last year, I know. Um, but Oregon State was probably the team that kicked SC's ass the most last year. Oregon State and Utah, uh, those two teams. And you go to Corvallis. Corvallis is scary, uh, but they're also like these are the games that good teams lose. Like, yeah, when you look at in the pantheon of all the good teams. When do they lose? They lose tough game, tough games on the road against in ranked conference teams. in in conference against ranked teams. Yeah, those are just the ones that they lose. Like that's not to say that SC shouldn't be favored. They're going to be favored. They're probably mm-hmm. going to be favored by like thirteen points or something like that. They're going to be and, favored, and they should win. And I think that if S- everything goes to plan, SC ends up winning another game, forty-five twenty-five or something like that. Yeah, but um. Yeah, but if you're going to lose, it's going to be, and more often than not, it's going to end up being a game like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, you can have concern in that sense. Uh, Damon says, I don't understand why SC got amazing offensive players with the portal, but didn't really load up on defensive talent. Um, I I think one of the things is they had access to um uh, Caleb Williams and Mario Williams because of the history that that Lincoln Riley had. Well, and even Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison doesn't come to USC if Caleb Williams isn't at USC. Like, yeah, the, there was sort of a cascade of, and of course, you want to play for Lincoln Riley if you're an offensive if you're an offensive player. I think also there were less game changing defenders in the portal in the first place the way that there were on offense. And yeah, you sort of got to prove yourself a little bit more. There's got to be something driving players to you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Damon also popped in with Pete Carroll's Keely Seal was Corvallis. Yes, hundred percent was. But why was PC's like? Why was Pete's Achilles heel Corvallis? Well, partly it was Mike Riley being a good coach. Yes. At Oregon State. Partly it was also that road trip is difficult. It just right. it's difficult making a road trip of that length, usually playing at night, usually playing in front of a raucous crowd. Like those road trips are difficult. Yeah. It 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 happens for sure. Um couple other questions before we wrap this thing up, because it's uh, Very late. Twelve thirty <laughs> yeah. here on on the West Coast. Still two hundred fifty seven people in the yeah, chat. You I can't guys are believe it. You guys are insane awesome. and awesome, and we we have so much appreciation uh, to everyone joining us here. Um, 
when we started to do the the live video, I was I had been reluctant to do video stuff like in general because when we record, so many times we record and it goes like this. Um, hello everybody, welcome back to Radio Tour Radio. Shoot, hold on, let's redo it. Um, welcome everybody, and then we'd have to do things over and over again. How many times would we stumble over words? Would we stumble reading someone's question? Or I would hit the mic and or you stop. you hit the mic and we got to start over, or um, we forget to mute the whatever it is, or um, you're saying something and you're like, no, I don't like that. Let me restart over. I'm saying something and I'm. I don't like that. I want to restart over being able to do live video was scary as hell. Yeah. Um, because we like, we lose so much control over those things. And sometimes you're just, you know, and one of the things about doing live now is like, sometimes you might just say something stupid that we just don't have the ability to just immediately Backtrack erase. Them. Right. Yeah. Like that, that if you're live, that's going to be something that's it's going to be the case, but it's been so much um, fun doing this. I'm surprised we haven't had a lot of issues where we've like needed to wish that we could cut or anything yeah. like that. We've only had one night of technical um, difficulties, uh, really, at least. And then, um, yeah, you guys and all of your support, all the rot bots, uh, everybody in the chat, all of you, uh, It's it's been great. And for me, at least... Uh, it's been a grind doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast now. It's been 12, sorry, 10 years. This is our 11th, my 11th season doing this podcast. At the same time, I kind of thought it had gotten to the point where it was, it had gotten stale. Yeah. And adding this element is completely revigorized things. Revigorized? Is that a word? Reinvigorated. Sure. Reinvigorated is definitely a word. Reinvigorized is definitely not a word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyways, question from Vets Hangout. Why do you two have the same furniture? Uh, Because we're we're literally in the same room. Yep. We we might be. Oop. There I am. Oh, yeah. There's her her hand on on my webcam. Yeah. 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 Literally in the same room. Yeah. Uh, Chad says, did any of you see the Washington, what Washington did to Michigan state? Yeah. Washington looked yes. incredible, especially in the first half. My dude, Kalen DeBoer. Don't, don't sleep on the Huskies. Michael Penix looked great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he looked absolutely great. I, I'm left-handed. I'm really ambidextrous, but I'm left-handed in a lot of ways. And I, I like left-handed quarterbacks at the same time. Michael Penix, not the most like beautiful delivery, mm-hmm. and yet he throws a perfect ball, and I don't know how. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it doesn't have to be pretty. It's like the ends uh, justify the means, man. Yeah, it's it's like um, like uh, Sean Merritt. No, no. What, what's uh, what's the ball brother? The oldest ball brother. Uh, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo. Yeah, horrifically ugly three point shot. Yeah. Somehow he's good at it. What can you do? Michael Penix. Not the greatest looking throw, but man, the dude can throw some dimes. Mm-hmm. So we'll see more of him. Or SC will not see him this year. Uh, really quick uh, scoreboard up there before we wrap this up. UCLA barely beating South Alabama by a point. Needing a field goal at the end. Uh, Cal nearly got the Hail Mary. Oh. Uh, in, in South Bend, losing 24-17. They lost by seven thanks to a phantom offsides call, by the way. I'm 
annoyed. Those kind of things tend to happen in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Colorado just gets steamrolled by Minnesota. Uh, Colorado looks uh, like historically bad. Um, as we talked about, Oregon putting a hurt on BYU 41-20. I don't think that score does it justice. B- Oregon really throttled them pretty bad. And then Washington State 38-7 to over Colorado State. At what point do we start to talk about uh, an undefeated Washington yeah. State 3-0? Yeah. First time since 1915 that both Washington State and Oregon State are both undefeated. They got it going. Yeah. And then, yeah, Washington beats Michigan State. Oregon State um, beats Montana State, a good FCS team, by 40. Utah beats San Diego State, 35-7, takes care of business there. Arizona outlasts North Dakota State, 31-28. I think good, that's good FCS team. That's a good win for Arizona. Yes. Like, I know it's an FCS team, but Yeah, like, but that's a that's a championship winning. They're like FCS a dynasty. Team. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's that's a feel-good win for, for, for the Wildcats. And then there's ASU. And then there's ASU. I, I would say it's a fireable offense for uh, for Herm <laughs> Edwards, but but how many of those has he already had? So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, last question comes from uh, from our our, our buddy Dave uh, Dave S. Will the rave line rant line be operational soon? I love hearing the montage of the calls. Here's the thing, fellas. I wish it was operational. We have two issues. One, we have a technical issue with the phone stuff. So that we need to get figured out. But number two, we have a completely separate audio technical issue with the phone where our soundboard is not functional at the moment. Um, and we need the rave line to uh, the soundboard to be functional in order to play calls on here. The only other way we can do it is if we played them as as video clips. We 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 don't have the time, effort, all those things to be able to put them into video clips. So, like at this point, the rave rant line is dormant. I, I miss yeah. it. I I miss hearing you guys, but yeah, I, I would I would encourage people to to write in emails. Rantoftroyfanside.com. We can read emails, uh, and we can read. YouTube comments all day long. So yep. uh, it's a bummer, but but that's where we are right now. Anyways, uh let's let's wrap this thing up. It's been it's 1240. There's still 240 people on, but thank you guys for, for tuning in to the carcast. We will see you on Monday to have the Fresno State Fallout episode. Uh Alicia, you got any uh, final words before we uh end the stream? Uh the f- I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> no, it's 2.40. I don't. 12.40? I'm on Central Time, apparently. Hey, my work my work schedule is all on Central Time, so I am constantly having to convert times in my head. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. We will see you on Monday night here on the YouTubes or uh, wherever uh, you listen to us in the world beyond that. So until then, see ya. See ya.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.